Welcome to The Uncomfortable Truth. I'm Alan Weiss. Today I'm talking about negotiating with time. I think most people view time as some kind of enemy or competitor with whom they must negotiate and debate. Originally, you know, we had surplus farming and hunting. That is, cave people killed big animals, couldn't eat them all at once. Unlike today, when a wolf can probably eat 20 pounds of meat at one killing. And so instead of leaving it there to rot, they eventually figured out somehow they could preserve the meat or give it to other people in exchange for something those people could provide them. This is a notion of sacrifice. Sacrifice something now for some future benefit. Surplus farming. People raised more food than just sufficient to feed their own families, and so rather than let it rot in the fields, they traded it to people who could fix their harnesses or teach their children or even create art to put on the walls. Surplus farming and hunting. We were dealing with a sacrifice over time to gain future advantage. You know, you can't eat everything. So you trade for other things you need. You save up, perhaps, for your own future need. And people salted meat away and learned to preserve things and everything from sawdust to ice and salt. So the idea of sacrifice is born. Deprive yourself now for the future. Deprive yourself now for your children. After all, we have to perpetuate the species. If you take a look at a, a goose who has cygnets, no, those are swans, excuse me, a goose who has goslings, uh, you'll find that if you put enough pressure on the parents who mate for life, the parents will abandon the young ones. Uh, they will abandon the young ones to the predator once having tried to defend them because they realize they can have more children later, more young ones later. And so you make certain sacrifices to perpetuate the species. And we make a lot of sacrifices for our own children. The ultimate sacrifice, of course, was for the afterlife. That's why we had indulgences in the 17th century and prior. That's why people put up with corrupt priests and bishops and popes who had children, because everyone up to about the 17th century believed in an afterlife. Prince or pauper, it didn't matter. And so your relatively short time on earth, don't forget the average lifespan was somewhere in the 30s, was nothing compared to eternity. And an indulgence could set you in good shape for eternity. So if someone could give you an indulgence, you would forgive them their own trespasses. And the thought of an afterlife tolerated politic, uh, religious corruption because it would gain you something very long term. Today, athletes and actors sacrifice for some future triumph. Uh, athletes, you'll find, uh, will sacrifice their youth. Uh, athletes will give up their social lives to become great gymnasts or attempt to become great gymnasts or runners or vaulters or swimmers or skiers. And so they miss a large part of their social, uh, socialization doing this. The same with actors who uh, give up uh, nearly all kinds of, of benefits, who live in privation in cold water flats and in, in uh, uh, humble abodes uh, because they want to make it an acting, and they try to struggle as bartenders and waiters until they can. Now, of course, in terms of both athletics and acting, the truth is that very few people make it. And so these privations, these sacrifices, often don't result in the long-term prize. Many people sacrifice, negotiating with time here, only to see their savings subsumed in illnesses and health costs. And they put away a nest egg, and suddenly at some advanced age, but at an advanced age when they're still lively and still can enjoy life, 
All that they've put away is gone because of the expensive medical treatments. A lot of people sacrifice out of guilt, and they hope that something will be atoned for and forgiven. You know, you hear people say, if I, don't, if I do this today, I'll take the afternoon off and play golf. If I provide some worthy benefit today, I'll allow myself to do this. And so it's some kind of trade-off with time. I can do this if I do that. You know, we believe time is elastic. We can stretch it. Uh, Walt Isaacson wrote about this in Steve Jobs' biography about reality distortion, but that's really about the elasticity of time. Most people believe they can fit in more than they really can. Most people believe they can work faster than they really can. And that's why you find people constantly up against deadlines, constantly under pressure because they're missing deadlines. Time is a priority, not a resource. Listen to me carefully. If you listen to nothing else in these few minutes or in this entire series, we all have the same amount of time every day, 24 hours a day forever, no matter who we are, no matter where we live and when we live. But the issue is how we allocate it. And so time is a priority. When you say, I don't have time to see my kid's soccer game, what you're saying is, I choose not to. You might have a good reason to choose not to. For example, you have to make money that day to support your kid's ability to play soccer. But nonetheless, if you wanted to, you had the time to see the soccer game. We always have time. We do have time to pay our respects. We do have time to coach someone. We do have time to do our taxes. Yet you see on uh, April 14th, usually in the U.S., April 15th is tax day. Well, maybe it's April 15th. Up to midnight, the Postal Service is collecting and, uh, and stamping uh, tax returns to show that they were paid on time. People wait till the last minute. So the question is not whether there is time as if it's a resource, but rather if there's enough priority, that is volition on our part, to use it the way it should be used for our best interests. Instead, we talk about time is running out. Time isn't running out. It just means our priorities haven't shifted appropriately. It means we've assigned the wrong priorities. We're constantly trying to negotiate with time as though we can do that. We can't. It ticks away. The question is where we put it. We say the timing is off. That only means you don't want to accept the priority. Your customers, your clients, your prospects say this. It's not a good time. That's because you haven't convinced them of the priority of what you're suggesting for them. It is a good time, and they do have time, but they just don't want to allocate it to you because they're not convinced. You really don't know how much time you have left, do you? You don't know if you're going to live to 100 or 90 or the average lifespan, which is 80, or into next week. We have no way of really knowing. We have our suspicions, and we certainly have our prayers and hopes, but we don't know. But what you do know is you have time right now. You have time today. And unless you walk out the door and get hit by a beer truck, you have time today to apply your time to your priorities, both personal and professional. You can't negotiate with a storm and you can't negotiate with time. You can't negotiate with a tornado that's approaching or an earthquake that's occurring. Nobody can negotiate with a San Andreas fault. They have no idea when that thing's going to go off. You can't negotiate with space debris. If you could, the dinosaurs would still be here, having sent some reptile lawyer up there to keep that asteroid or meteorite or whatever the hell it was away from the Yucatan, and we'd all be tyrannosaurs today. But you can get out of the way of a storm, and you can make good use of your time. And those are the actions that we should be paying attention to. Plan to hit three priorities a day, personal and professional. That's my metric to you. 
What are three priorities every day you want to hit, personal and professional? That's all. Because if everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. But three? Seems that's doable to me. Chunk your large projects. No one sits down to write a book. Take it from me, I've written over 60. And I don't sit down to write a book. I sit down to write one sub point within one chapter. And 30 minutes later, I'm done with that. If I choose to write two, I'll write two. But that's how you make progress with things. You don't sit down to read a book, do you? You read a chapter or maybe of 10 pages in a book. Chunk your large projects. Don't try to clean out the entire garage. Clean out two shelves at a time. Refuse distractions. Refuse interruptions, which you actually can control. There's no reason to stop because your phone uh, is alerting you. There's no reason to stop because your computer is dinging. Uh, There's no reason to stop because someone walks in and asks a favor. Tell them no. Shut your phone off. Shut the computer down if you're up to other things. That's how you protect your time. That's how you control time, not negotiate with it. Abandon your propensity to please. Stop worrying about others liking you. Stop worrying about making others like you. Simply focus on the way you want to establish your time priorities. Just say no. It's as simple as that. You don't need an excuse. You don't need some explanation. Just say no. Can you do this for me? Nope. Can you join us here? Nope. Can you appear for? Nope. Just say no. Omar Khayyam said in the second century in Persia, appreciate today because today is your life. And that, my friends, is the somewhat uncomfortable truth.